it's real easy to say, well, we shouldn't have got involved. Well, that's great, but we did. And now, if we're reckless, a whole bunch of people are going to die. A whole bunch of people are going to lose their life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, and self-determination. All right, so um, let's do this. Good. This is Beth. And I'm Stany. And you're listening to Mixed Politics. Welcome to episode 10. Oh We're in double digits, my friend. We've made it. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know if I count this as making it, though. Oh, my God. Jesus. Hey, we have a quality <laughs> show. If people don't like it, that's their deal. Yeah. If people haven't heard it yet, they will. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. So what are you drinking tonight? Tonight for my mixed drink, I have a spiced Bacardi. It's new to me. I don't usually do Bacardi. Um, spiced Bacardi rum. And I'm mixing it with vanilla Coke. Nice. And it's so wonderful. Like, That's it's good. So, that sounds, it's that sounds so good. Like it feels like feels like summertime. <laughs> It does. That sounds what a hell drinking? of a lot better than what I'm drinking. Um, Which is what? Yeah, I'm. I just. I'm doing no effort today. Smirnoff <laughs> and Zevia. Boom. Oh. Done. All right. Smirnoff. And, but and I Zevia. have it in my nice little kitty mug. <laughs> okay, that turns it up a little bit. Okay. All right. So, um, right when we we're doing the Q and A. We had promised our faithful, but few, and I love you guys for it, uh, viewers, yes. that we would have some kind of like a, a raffle or something to, to, to get you one of these wonderful um, hoodies with mixed politics on it. And tonight we're going to do just that. I'd, um, I was going to just, I don't know, somehow pick a person, but then we decided to do it live. Do it live. We'll fucking do it live. And so I have, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who is that? Bill O'Reilly, wasn't it? Yeah. He got uh, mad and he was like, do Oh, alive. yes. We'll, yes. We'll do it's it alive. alive. <laughs> so I've got, yeah, I've got some got names. Issues. Yeah. I've got some names here in this Ohio State mug um, of the people who had messaged and asked questions and came to the live QA and asked questions there. And so I'm just going to shake it around. And um, I know a lot of them are going to pop out. But the one that pops out furthest, <laughs> the one that pops out furthest is the one I'm going to pick. So we're going to go with that. Okay, good. Okay. See, it's on. This is the furthest one. That's man. I wrapped these too tight. Or you could have uh, just, or you could have just reached in and grabbed one. Picked I mean, one. You know. I, I, that might that might seem biased. Like I knew which one I was going. <gasps> the universe has spoken. <laughs> The winner is Princess Alyssa. All right. Yeah. It's it's if you can well can you yeah, there it is, Alyssa. Oh, congratulations, so Alyssa. Alyssa. She you are is the owner of a new awesome. mixed politics hoodie. Woo-hoo. Um get in contact with Beth. I don't know how you guys talk yeah. or whatever. And oh yeah, we're on Discord, so I will let her know. Right. Send us your address awesome. and your particulars. Your particulars. 
<laughs> and we'll <laughs> you're ridiculous. And then we'll get we'll get one of this this awesome merch out. But thank you so much for showing up and asking very yes. good questions, Alyssa. Yes. You you helped thank make you. the show what it was um two weeks ago. So yes, that was awesome. Let's get let's get it on the okay. road. What are we talking about tonight, Beth? What's going on with Afghanistan? It is though America's longest war. So it is. I think I think most of us should know something about what's going on over there. Yeah, I think pretty much all of us know something, but tonight we're going to lay it all out to to tell you what we know about it, what we think going mm. forward. Is this good? Is this bad? Withdrawing from Afghanistan, but Stanley, I'm letting you take the lead on this one because you've done so much research. It is your shining moment. <laughs> Feet don't fail me now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So um, let's start it off with just Afghanistan in general. We're not going to go into the history of Afghanistan. By the way, it was a beautiful place. I've seen pictures and videos of Afghanistan in like the 60s and 70s. It looked Mm -hmm. like like Beach Boys, California. Like people Uh were having a great time. Men, women, old people out flying kites. and totally different than it does now. Just mm, totally different. Landscape has completely changed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, obviously, we're going to start with us arriving in Afghanistan, <laughs> right. which, which is like it's it's whenever the whenever the colonialists, whenever the colonizers arrive somewhere, things just it's terrible for the people who are there or people who live there yeah. the world over. But, you know, um, so obviously our involvement in Afghanistan goes back to the terrible events of 9-11. Um, mm-hmm. And the towers going down or whatever. And we've talked about this on a previous podcast saying that, you know, the vast majority of the hijackers of those planes, if you don't believe conspiracy theories that, you know, this wasn't an inside job and Q doesn't have the information and, you know, <laughs> Os- Osama bin Laden actually orchestrated this himself without the aid of George Bush and the deep state and whatever other weirdness you might want to come up with. If you believe that, a bunch of terrorists got together, learned how to turn planes um, by training here, and then flew them in the towers. A few moments after that, they've decided, um, Osama bin Laden came out and said, you know, this was my doing in his little cave, in turban and stuff. And, you know, I take responsibility for this and America should pay for all the atrocities that it's been inflicting up on the Middle East since the sykes picot lines way back before all of us were born. Um, yeah. And then they, they, they ascertained that he was in Afghanistan and his, his base of operations was in Afghanistan. Um, so it wasn't that we just blindly ran into Afghanistan as, as you know, maybe have previously been led to believe. Yeah, we should have sanctioned or done something about the Saudi people who helped to cause this atrocity. But the leader was in Afghanistan at that point. So at it was, time. all right, we're going we're gonna to go find him. And from the get-go... It was, it was just brute force, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't a lot of military strategy. It was, it was, it was raw emotion from the entire United States, from our leaders, our betters, the government, Congress, the president himself. Um, it was these people did this shit, and now we've got the football. And, and you're I kind of think that there there were so many people who were supportive of at least doing something in Afghanistan, not yeah. as much with Iraq, 
that was the stretch, I think. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure that there was a good case to be made for going into Afghanistan that a lot of people were behind. Yeah, for, the, 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 yeah. The, simple, the simple case was that's where the dude lives. Mm-hmm. We wanted to find him. He attacked Let's our country. We wanted to find Let's, him. And I agree with that mindset. But it wasn't, it wasn't what you would think of like the actual results was not the the precision that you would that that's been the propaganda of the american military like mm-hmm. you know we can we can we can we can we can pull up in a hospital room and kill the doctor that's delivering the baby and leave everyone else untouched because we're that good that's what everybody has in their head of the american yes. military we're right. really on the ground we just blow up the whole fucking hospital much, that's a, yeah. that's the truth. That's what we've done many times. It's like yes. the guys in there. How many of those people do we want? Two. How many people in that building? Two hundred and sixty. Press button. Bing. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's what. So right. a lot of that happened in Afghanistan. A lot of that happened in Afghanistan. Now you have to remember that this guy was hiding out in Afghanistan. He is not from Afghanistan. He's not a citizen of Afghanistan. He's not whatever. Um, he was just hiding out there. So all of the, the 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 casualties of war were just random innocent people that ain't had nothing. They were just going about their business, going to work, whatever. Yes, they were mm-hmm. at the time housing and aiding and abetting with Al Qaeda and the Taliban. Some of and them were, but some, not all some of them. them. But not all of them. Not all of them. Yeah. But but because of the raw emotion that we felt about you know being wronged, we just went over there and just like we we were this short of napalm I it think was just it was just right after this 9/11, down. so yeah. many people would just have just drop bombs everywhere and and that's the, that's the thing our foreign policy we need to remind ourselves that the leaders of these various organizations or the leaders of this these countries are doing these things the regular average citizen the regular average plumber in afghanistan ain't got nothing to do with this he's just trying to right fix some pipes take care of his kids right. all afghanistan people aren't like you know down with america like some people are just like i don't care i like wrestling yeah they're just regular ass people and it like because of massive propaganda we don't get to see our adversaries as regular people we see them as whatever name we've given them insurgents terrorists mm. which i think is hilarious as fuck like how can you be an insurgent in your own country yeah <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the mission was to go in there and find Osama bin Laden and make him pay. The problem is that that's how it was on paper. That's not how Mm -hmm. it was on the ground. It was pretty much Vietnam part two. We showed up and it was like, oh shit, this terrain is not what we had planned for. These people were not what we had planned for. The opposition that we're facing is not just al-Qaeda or the Taliban. The government don't like us. The people don't like us. There's like 12 different ethnicities and like 13 different languages. Like we showed up and it was just like, oh shit, we didn't know what the fuck was going on over here. And so now we're fighting wars on different fronts. And when that happens, this, this, this military named problem happens. It's called mission creep. Have you ever heard of this? Yes, actually I have. Uh, right. Mission creep. Let me see if I can put this in layman's terms. It's like when you're playing a video game and you have a a, 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 a line of a quest line and you're doing this quest, you know, go rescue this girl and like go feed bread to the homeless and 
go kill this dragon or whatever. But on your way to the dragon, there's a little cat with a quest. And you're just like, oh, cute cat. Ah, free. I'm, I maybe get like a weapon or something. And you go and you click this cat and you do the quest. But that quest leads you to another quest. And then right. that leads to another quest and to another quest and to another quest. And then you wait. After about two hours, you're just like, wait a second. I was supposed to be killing a dragon. I'm so far away from this goddamn dragon. <laughs> Shit. And I, I, I'm kind of like stuck in helping this cat. I can't leave now. Fuck. I got to finish helping this cat. That's what happened to the United States military. Right. We went over there yeah. to kill Osama bin Laden and ending ended up propping up the local government in Kabul. Yes. And once you start propping up a government, you can't just ride out. Now you have to finish the side quest. That's right. And here we are. And this is why there's such a debate about what happens if we leave. Because mm -hmm. to your point, we have completely gotten sidetracked and we have gotten our hands into so many different things yeah. that it's not just as easy as, oh, we killed bin Laden. When was that? 2011? Did we that kill was bin during Laden? the Obama years. So Yeah, it yeah. was. I th I'm pretty sure it was 2011 that mm -hmm. we got him. It's 10 years later. We're still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's 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 really bad because so I'll give you guys the, the the dictionary definition of mission creep. It's it says a gradual shift in objectives during the course of a military campaign, often resulting in an unplanned long term commitment. Like that is textbook. Yes. That's something that everyone is in the who's in the military, like if you've been in the military for two weeks, you know what mission creep is. And it's weird yeah. that we just kind of just bumbled into it. Like, why didn't we go in there, kill Osama bin Laden, and be like, aha, all right, we're about to head out, thanks. Nope. Right, that's what we should have done. Why are we propping up governments and taking sides and funding these people and funding those people? And, you know, and so 20 years later, America's longest war. That's what that resulted mm -hmm. in. Yeah. And so now the troop levels are, I mean, they've been fluctuating for the last couple of years. And this is an interesting thing about how things have, have shaped up over the years, because back in 2009, mm -hmm. Obama, President Obama increased our presence there. I don't know if it was because he was aware of the efforts to try to get bin Laden. Maybe that was why they were increasing troops. But um, in 2011, the troop presence was over 100,000. Yeah. And just for reference today, it's about 3,500. So we had a, a huge presence in 2011. And then in 2014 was when Obama said, we're going to start pulling out. And, and again, it's 2021. We're still there. But it, it the, the, and then President Trump comes in and he he said he he actually campaigned on the notion of getting us out of these endless wars. But and see, that's just a talking increased point. It yes. is a, a talking point. Yes, he increased the troops after he cut, got into office. Yeah. So the the level of our presence there has fluctuated, but it was pretty high back in, ten years ago, and and now it's about yeah. thirty five hundred. Yeah, because like it's it's one of those things where you've committed so much time, effort, energy, dollars. Um, people have campaigned for and against, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's like Afghanistan in the past 20 years have literally become a part of America. Like we right. have a budget for, a, a part of our budget is dealing with Afghanistan. 
like our, our taxes are, you know, it's crazy. It's, and I know for most people, it's not a, what they call a dinner table or whatever issue. Water cooler um, issue. It's not a water cooler issue. But um, Afghanistan is a very, very big deal. Now, as you said, you the number you found was 3,500. The number that I saw from the DOJ was 2,500. Actually, 2,517 was what okay. I saw. So, yeah. Yeah. So to put that into perspective, someone said recently that we, after January 6th, we had more troops guarding the capital for inauguration than we have troops in Afghanistan. That's just crazy so, to me. So so I would like for everyone, because th that's the thing. The, the, the propaganda is such. Everybody gets on their horn and they campaign. No, we've got to bring home the troops. We've got to bring home the troops from Afghanistan. We have to bring whatever. It's like... Right now, the amount of troops that are in Afghanistan realistically can fit on four airplanes. Mm -hmm. Three. Three. Yeah. We can literally load them up right now and they'll be here by breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's just that that would result in a load of problems because the number of people that are there aren't necessarily fighting insurgents or fighting um, what would be called non-state actors um, in various different groups they're actually protecting American diplomats that are helping mm. the, the current government um, in Kabul to, to thrive and to, to, to work after we eventually get out. So mm -hmm. the military presence there is protecting Americans mostly at this point because 2,000 people, 2,517 people is less people than, than, than you would find at a high school football game. Or yeah. in a section of your favorite NBA team. Like the, the OSU Stadium can hold, I think, 124,000. Yes. So if 2,500 people, mm -hmm. if 2,500 people got up and left, we wouldn't notice. Right. That's, that's, that's where we're at. But if you let, if you let politicians tell it, you know, oh, we, we have to do this. We have to win. It's like, all right, if you really want to do it, send three planes, get them over here by lunch. Mm -hmm. But diplomacy is not that easy foreign policy is not that easy especially mm -hmm. when you've been involved in a place for 20 years in their politics in their social structure in their welfare in their war it, it doesn't you can't just get up and leave and mm -hmm. I, we're gonna get into why you can't just get up and leave Well, we might have differing opinions on this one. All right. So, yeah. question for you. Why does it matter if we leave or stay? Well, here's the way that I look at it is mm -hmm. we have a ton of people that are in the halls of Congress who are very strongly against us leaving. But I have to ask, what what is their expectation? So you have Senator Lindsey Graham, James Inhofe. Uh, Jean Shaheen, and then obviously Liz Cheney, Representative yeah. Liz Cheney, because you know Cheney's daughter. Um, they all seem to want us to stay there. Anytime there's a mention of us pulling out, they they lose their shit. Mm -hmm. But they never explain exactly why we need to stay. You've given an explanation that actually makes sense, which is protecting American diplomats. Not a single one of them has ever mentioned that that I am aware of. Yeah. So one thing is true though, the threat to our country hasn't gone away since we've been there. We've been there for 20 years. 
and we're still no better off. Yeah. We're poorer financially and morally and intellectually. Because yeah, war drains your country. And yes. j- just so you just so you know, that's one of the tenets of ISIS. Keep them in a war as long as possible. Yes. Because it yes. drains their economy. Exactly. And it has. Yeah. And terrorism still exists whether we're there or not. So because we're this war is not it was not started. And it wasn't winning. In order to, it, it, well, it wasn't started in order to fight a country. This is a different kind of war than we've ever had before because we're not fighting yeah. a country. We're fighting an ideology. So, and so that doesn't just, have boundaries. That doesn't have so, boundaries. So if we, if we stay, we're hmm. not doing anything really that different to fight terrorism itself yeah. than we would be if we were occupying every other country. I mean, this so, is. From, from our history, I would just like to say that this is the second time we've waged war on something that's not a country, not a nation, not a, not a, a set state. The first one was the war on drugs. Oh yes. You're right about right. that. So yes, this is the second and, war and, of that and, nature. And, and, and we lost that one and continue. We to are still, it. yes, we're still losing then, that war. And then we had the war on terror. Yes. Which I thought was just, just the branding of it was stupid from when I was like 19 or whatever in college, I was just like the only way a person can be called a terrorist is if I feel terrorized. If I don't feel terrorized, they're just annoying and a nuisance. So how you gonna fight how are you gonna fight that? Yes, it's an idea. I can just decide you're not a terrorist. Sure. And and I mean terrorism has a text a textbook definition, but yeah. Let's just look at the fact that there are Americans who just launched an attack on our own soil. So clearly, the pre- our presence in Afghanistan doesn't prevent <laughs> our own people from becoming radicalized yeah. and attempting to kill our people and destroy our way of life. Our yeah. presence in Afghanistan doesn't save us from terrorism here on our own home soil if we have mm. our own citizens rising up against our government. So to me, what does it matter if we leave? Yeah. It's, it's like six one way, half dozen the other. Uh, so the terrorism the... threat exists whether we stay or whether we go. I would rather that we come home, stop spending mm-hmm. you know, actually 40% of the money that we have spent from 2001 until now has gone directly to warlords, corrupt people. Yeah. 40% of our money has been wasted. I'd rather just kind of come home. That's been America's like... That's been America's playbook, like find the moderate rebels and arm them. Yes. Oh my God, dude, since like the 50s. It's ridiculous. Yes. But, and that was something so, that was published in the Afghanistan, or, or yeah, the Afghanistan papers. Mm-hmm. Washington Post published that in 2019. And it reports that half, almost half of our money has been wasted. And it also high ranking military gov- and government officials have yeah. said that this war was unwinnable, but they didn't want the public to know that. Right. So it's like, so Viet- it's like Vietnam 2.0. Mm-hmm. Yes. Vietnam there's 2.0. So that's why I don't think we should stay. All right. So here's the thing. And, and you know what? I might disagree with you on this, which I hope some people enjoy, because I guess that's why some people watch podcasts for people to fight. But I agree with you on the fact of it's not being, it's not winnable. It's not worth it monetarily for us mm-hmm. to stay however us leaving swiftly without proper protocols in 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 place 
is exactly what birthed ISIS in the first place in Iraq oh, yeah. and then of Syria course. and then Somalia <laughs> and then whatever. And we cannot make the same mistake again. That's what's well, causing then... this issue. The issue is this. If we if if we did what I just, you know, hypothetically said, let's get three fucking Boeing 737s, load up all the troops and the American diplomats so there's nobody to secure and get them home. You know what happens tomorrow? The Taliban takes over. Oh, of because, course. Because the local government in Afghanistan cannot withstand um, the Taliban. The reason why the Taliban hasn't just completely just mowed down the Afghan um, president and the the, the uh, government there is because in doing so, they will inadvertently kill American soldiers. And if you do that, now we send the 100,000 back. And they don't want mm -hmm. that. So it's kind of like the, the troops are, the, the 2,500 troops, realistically, are there as a tripwire. Like, y'all need to stay out of here. So the issue is how to remove those 2,500 people without the Taliban going, because there's four groups over there that are vying for control. There's the Afghan government, there's ISIS, there's the Taliban and Al Qaeda. And they're all different people. They don't, they're not, they don't eat breakfast together. I know. Like, yeah. yeah. And so the Taliban has become the strongest. So what happened was we hedged our bets thinking that the government, the Afghan government would come out on top after 20 years. The Taliban is the one on top, but we've already started propping up the government. So we can't just switch to the other team and be like, all right, so you guys are, are more heavily armed. You guys are better equipped. There's more of you. So let's side with you. Let's prop you up. And then we leave. Because if we do that, literally everyone in Afghanistan dies. In the sin, mm -hmm. people are just going to, their blood is just going to be in the street. Um, and one of the problems with why it wasn't successful, us propping up the Afghanistan, the local government in Afghanistan is that no matter who we had propped up, which is so frustrating to me, is, is as if no one at the Pentagon or in Langley or whatever could just sit down for 10 minutes and just look further than their nose. No matter who we had propped up, if we had chosen, because we do this all the time, we play sides. We did this yeah. with the Kurds in Syria and then left them to die um, yeah. just, just last year. So if we had popped up propped up any of the other three groups that group would be seen as a western puppet mm -hmm. so we chose the afghan government and now the entire region looks at the afghan government as a western puppet and if you know anything about the middle east if you're a western puppet you might as well just be america right and they don't like that so the right. the, the the whole point is to, and it's very delicate, get the troops out of Afghanistan, but do not leave Afghanistan the same way we did Iraq so that this group comes and just wrecks the entire place and just transform the landscape. And there's a way to do that. It, it takes very, very high level skill diplomacy, but it can be done. However, it is done at a great risk. And I'll tell you about that later. Okay. Now you um, had a point 
uh, before we started, you were mentioning, I think that America is a helicopter parent. And I would like to know what you meant by that, because you, I, I, I don't understand. I never really went into it because the way I see America in the Middle East is not necessarily as like a parent, but more like a principal. Okay. But if you see it well, as a parent, let me. Oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not saying that it means that they are, that we are a parent, but the, the term is helicopter parent. It's helicopter the parent. parent. Yes. Mm. So trying desperately to protect a child from harm so yeah. much so that they end up raising a person with zero self-sufficiency. So mm. it, a parent's like, I'm going to do all your laundry. I'm going to do all the dishes. I'm going to cook every single one of your meals. I'm going to do everything so you don't have to lift a finger. And then the kid turns 18 and then they have zero life skills and they can't transition into self-sufficiency whatsoever yeah. okay. because there was no effort to walk them through the steps of learning to do it themselves. That's the way that I see America as the helicopter parent. That as it, relate, been, as it relates to this, Afghanistan. As it relates to Afghanistan or as okay. it relates to basically any country that we've gone into um, and started a war. Iraq, mm -hmm. same thing. We basically were there and we made ourselves to be the one that was setting all of the boundaries, all of the precedent, everything like that. And then as soon as we leave, because we, assassin we assassinated their leader. Yeah. It, it turned into a shit show anyways. That's, that was the birth of ISIS. So, you know, but yeah. I, I, I see what you're, I see what you're saying that, you know, we've done so much of the heavy lifting that when it's mm -hmm. time to leave, we can't leave. It, that's where we are right now. At, we mm. have people saying we, we can't leave because all hell's going to break loose. Well, all hell's breaking loose anyway. So, I mean, we can't put ourselves in the position of saying, if we leave, th bad things will happen. Therefore, we can't leave. That's what yeah. leads to an endless war. How do okay. we how do we get out? All right. So there have been many, many missteps in this helicopter parenting. Right. And mm -hmm. and the 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 the. the the delicacy that is required in dealing with Afghanistan and withdrawing our troops and getting them home is not just because of the helicopter parenting, but because of the misstep missteps. One mm -hmm. such misstep is, 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 is glaringly obvious to anybody who wants to look at the landscape. President Trump in his administration, in his time in office said that we're going to be fully out of Afghanistan by May 1st. And they started working on a deal with the Afghan government to have that happen. He lost the election. He has no more power. He's a private citizen mm -hmm. that can get punched in the face. No, well, no, Secret Service. Fuck. Don't Damn do it. that. Don't do that. Don't do that. You might get shot. All right. Well, yeah, don't do, don't that. do that. But, but President Biden now, when he took over the reins, the, one of the first things he did with regards to Afghanistan was to say to Congress, uh, we need that an extension. Now, this is probably one of the most terrible things that you could do foreign policy-wise with regard to the Middle East. The fact that there's red, white, and blue in our flag, they don't trust us to begin with. And they shouldn't. What good have we done in the Middle East? So they don't trust us. That's yeah. fine. But when you put on paper and you start to ink out a deal, and then you have to leave office because you lost an election and the next guy takes over and he says, I don't like that deal to hell with it. This is terrible on the international stage because what yeah. that tells the entire world is that 
there's no consistency. We are not trustworthy. Don't listen to anything that this guy says, because when the next guy comes, it might be scrapped. And there's a there's a, a big shining North Star example of this happening already. The Iran deal. Yes, I was just thinking that. Yeah. So so now it seems like it's not like a, a one off thing. It seems like this is American foreign policy policy. One president yeah. says X, the next president comes and says Y, and we are the ones over here on the ground that have to eat the shit while Americans, you know, get to watch their baseball and drink beer and watch porn and whatever. Right. But, and we are just subject to whatever this guy decides. How can, yeah. like, how hard would it have been to to say, okay, well, the other guy said May 1, even though I don't like him, even though it's not my same party or whatever, we're going to stick to that because we, as a country, we made a deal with another country. It wasn't me with some other guy. It was country to country. So I'm going to honor that. We, we, we fucked that up in Iran and we have fucked that right now in Afghanistan. That's what makes it harder to leave because we keep misstepping. Yeah. Exactly. Over and over. And all and over. of this is all of this is born from a dick measuring contest, basically. Yep. So one guy is just like, I don't want to deal with one guy with that guy's deal because I can make it better or I think it's shit. So it has to go. Mm -hmm. So now the new date for withdrawal is September 11th. And the symbolic nature of that day, I am a little turned off. I'm, it's I'm not even really it's not off. even just the sim sim symbolic nature. It's just of the 364 other fucking days you had to choose, you made this a TV drama? Well, okay. Now, to his <laughs> credit, um, there were some people... Oh, I forget who I just heard this morning saying this. Um, but there were some Republicans who were questioning whether Biden's mm. mental capacity was really intact because he wasn't out there making drama-type yeah. moments. Like Trump did. They got so used to Trump that they're like, Biden's just kind of hiding out and doing stuff behind closed doors. He's not making headlines. So maybe, maybe he's not all there. Well, this is a headline for you. This is a drama moment yeah. that he chose September 11th. He literally could have chose September 15, September 1, September. He could have just 10. stuck with May 1st. No, it's May 1st is like in a week and a half. It's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's not possible. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. Coronavirus? No, not because it has nothing to do with coronavirus. That's that's the least of Afghan people's well, I was just thinking it was a distraction from whatever the he was doing. The problem is the creation of a power vacuum. If, if the government that you have propped up and been supporting this entire time isn't the strongest group, then there's going to be infighting and there's going to be a civil war the minute the last plane takes off. The Americans right. are and gone. They can't protect you anymore. Now we're going to fight for power. The entire country is going to break out into civil war, which is going to lead to ISIS yeah. 2.0, whatever the new of name course. is. Right? Of course. Yeah. So well, well, that goes back to the helicopter parenting thing is that if mm. you if you spend all this time with your kid in a bubble, as soon as he turns 18, you ship him off to college, he gets alcohol poisoning and dies because people take advantage of him. Same thing. Like, okay. That's, yeah. that's, that's fair. The, the issue is, though, we want to have a say in who fills that vacuum. Because the last mm -hmm. time we didn't have a say and they were allowed to just, you know, brute force it, whoever is the strongest, whatever, 
it was bad mm-hmm. for the world. We had bombs going off in England, in France, in, you know, just wherever they felt like because they're, they've created their own state, the caliphate. You don't yes. want a caliphate point two, 2.0 or, you know, because and, yeah. and then having them join forces with Iraq and Syria, you know where they're going to look to next? Across the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And the chickens are going to come home to roost. We really can't just get up and leave. I'm on expecting May 1st. that's going to happen. No matter what, I'm expecting mm-hmm. that's going to happen. All right. So, this is the part that's most exciting for me. And I'm not even drunk okay. yet. So, I'm going to drink some more. But there's a way to fix this. Okay. Where, so, Stainy, Stainy's going to fix it. No, I'm not going to fix it. No, you know what? Washington has already started looking into fixing it. So it's not just me, but I'm surprised okay. because I, I thought of it. A bunch of people who follow like international and geopolitics and whatever have been looking at this. But from the very onset of the Biden presidency, we looked at it and we're just like, this is the best case scenario for how to fix this entire situation for everyone involved, for every government involved, for every troop, for every insurgent, for every random plumber that's in Afghanistan for the American people, for the entire world, and for the Middle East. There's a way to fix this. The problem is that practically it makes sense, but politically it's it's so it's like a roller coaster. And you know when you get politics involved in logic in America, it just goes to shit. Oh, so when when yeah. we when we when we looked at it, we saw it, we're just like, oh my God, this is it. This is it. But okay. now the question is how? Okay. Let me stop you right there. And I'm going to actually pause you for a second. Mm. Because I have to pee. (laughs) Like, I can't hold it anymore. (laughs) I want to keep this in the podcast, but go ahead. Uh, (laughs) I don't want you to, like, go down this road and have me not paying attention to you because my bladder's full. I'll be right back. So, as I was saying, there's a way to fix this that makes sense to everyone and is a benefit to every person involved. Okay, I'm the, all ears. The, the, the problem with why a bunch of people I talk to on the regular about geopolitics, why we thought it would never work, is two things. Well, two things involving American politics. One, it takes balls, like serious fucking balls. And two, it's, it's, it's almost like political harakiri for biden if he does this but the funny thing is and so it had because of those things it had a low probability of actually like getting legs and about two weeks ago they announced that this is what we're looking into possibly trying to do and they announced it like it was spoken and i was like what somebody in washington is smart this is insane I can't here's, wait to hear it. Here's the answer to the Afghanistan problem. Are you ready? Yes. Iran. What? Let me break let me break it down for you. Right. So, if you look at Biden's foreign policy plan for the Middle East, not for just Afghanistan, for the Middle East, it's bold as shit, but it makes sense for the future. We don't want to be in war in the Middle East anymore. We don't. Right. The Middle East is of no benefit to us outside of like oil. And we've already 
crazy deals with Saudi Arabia and other countries that are oil bearing. And so we're done. We're done with the Middle East. We have no business there. We we should not have one troop there. Doesn't benefit us. Like from a from a commercial capitalistic standpoint. The Middle East, whatever the fuck. Okay. The next big thing is Africa. Ask anyone who knows anything about geopolitics. Africa is where it's at. The next big confrontation is the entire continent of Africa. And I feel so bad because every time white people look towards Africa, black people die. But this is where everyone's going. Well, China, yeah. al- China already has two feet firmly planted in Africa. Russia is doing the same thing. And so Biden's foreign policy is moving to what is called in geopolitical circles, near peers. Near peers mean countries that have similar power to yours. China, Russia, right. So we're looking to combat near peers economically, uh, militarily, et cetera, et cetera. And the battlefield for that is Africa. Russia's already there. China's already there. If you think I'm messing around with this, just Google Operation AFRICOM. And you're going to be like, wait, what the fuck? We have troops in Africa? Why? You're welcome. Um, So the best thing to do is to get the Middle East stabilized. The way you stabilize the Middle East is by helping Iran get back on equal footing because there are three superpowers in the Middle East or regional superpowers. There's Saudi Arabia, obviously. I don't need to explain that. Israel, also obviously, they have a fuck ton of money plus about 85 military um, nuclear warheads. So, So, yeah. So, so you have those two powers and then you have Iran that's sanctioned to death but Iran yes. has so so Saudi Arabia has oil, Mecca, Medina. They're the they're the holy land. Israel has a fuck ton of money plus nuclear. Iran has clout. Right. Unmistakable, okay. unmistakable, unquestionable sense? clout. That's the three powers. So of the three, Iran is the weakest, but it's still strong. Iran has never bent to the United States ever mm-hmm. in the history of Iran. Like, we literally went in and changed their government in the 50s by force. They didn't just sit back and, you know, they were fighting tooth and nail. Even to this very day, if the president of the United States gets up and says, Iran, you have to do this. Iran is the type of country that has looked at the American president and said, kick rocks. And rocks were kicked. Right. So Iran has clout. Iran is respected. If we allow Iran or allow is the wrong word. If we encourage or entice Iran to step in and fill what will be a power vacuum in Afghanistan, it brings them on equal level to Saudi Arabia and Israel. So it would almost be like, like they would want to do it. So they would want to do it. But here's the thing. It would look as if they were helping America. Because they're they're not actually no they're not coming in to help us in Afghanistan they would be coming in to relieve us Rep- replace us and and here's the thing it would be very easy a very easy transition because a lot of the non-state actors and and that's that's a technical term for what we as Americans would call terrorists non-state mm-hmm. actors that means they don't wear you know government right. patches or have a flag or whatever whatever the non-state actors that have been causing trouble in Afghanistan have always been backed by. Iran. Interesting. So if Iran comes in and says, hey, guys, we're running the fucking show now. Stop with the bullshit. Then they would literally all go, okay. 
All right. You're the man. And they're non-state actors because of what we call in geopolitical circles, um, plausible deniability. Whenever one of these groups yes. does something, no one can ever go, they all... that, that's Iran. Right. Every, they all, like, they all just step we, back and be like, oh, we don't know. We don't know, you know, well, who funded them? Right. Mm. But the truth is, it, it's Iran. They all know. It's Iran. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they all know. It, it would also help to equal the balance, the, 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 the imbalance, rather, with the Sunni-Shia divide. Because mm-hmm. Iran is Shia, um, Saudi Arabia is Sunni, and Saudi Arabia has been propped up by the U.S. So now you would have two of them, actually all three of them being supported by the United States. Yeah. The next thing is no person on the planet would. So, all right, if let's say we don't have Iran come in and fill the power vacuum and not that they're interested because no one in their right mind wants this. Not France, not Spain, not Italy, not Germany, Mm -hmm. not England. No one wants to take over the Afghanistan problem. Why? Because no matter who steps in, if it's a Western power, whichever side they take, they will look at that as you're being propped up by the West and you're a Western puppet. There's no person on the planet that would look at Iran and call Iran a Western puppet. Correct. That's not going to happen. So they would have support in the region on the ground from Afghanistan. Right. So it makes sense militarily, socially, um, religiously. It makes Mm -hmm. sense everywhere. You bring because the Biden administration wants to bring Iran back to the big table. It, honestly, it does. That's why it's trying to work out the deal that we stepped away from like idiots because it wasn't the best deal, but it was working. So the, 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 the issue, the tug of war with with Iran and the United States is that no country can leave the table and go back home looking like we've either lost or appeared weak. That's yeah. the issue. It's literally a penis contest. Yes, it is. Because because Iran looks at this, and I promise you, every single diplomat in Iran is like, this is, ha- this is what we have to do. And every single person with a brain in America would look and say, this is what we have to do. The problem is, if we leave and have Iran fill the power vacuum, when we get back to Congress, when we get back to whatever, it's going to be politics immediately. It's going to be... yes. We fought for 20 years in Afghanistan and we just handed it to Iran. Oh my it's because, God, it's, dude. It's because it, the Lindsey Grahams are oh. not interested in, in the reality of it or the worthiness of it. They They're are, just interested in staying in power and they kissing are off more, their constituents. They are more interested in giving Biden a black eye than, yeah. than solving the Middle East problem because it's an right. easy solve. If Biden yeah. could get conservatives or republicans to just be like all right man do the best you can we got you i promise you the deal will be inked tomorrow iran would take over control of of day-to-day happenings in afghanistan that would give them territorial leverage in the middle east like we're not only iran we are iran and afghanistan and now we're on the same footing as saudi arabia and israel so watch your mouth Everybody got to watch their mouth because everybody's ready to square up now. We're yeah. not little brother anymore. We, everybody's big cheese. And so we get to leave. We get to take our troops home. We get to be fine. The problem is when we get back here, when the troops get back here, the politics is going to be because that's the same thing that happened with the last with the last deal. 
It was, yeah. you had these weird talking points that were just lies where people were just like, um, Obama gave, you know, Iran, however many billions of dollars. And it's like, Jesus Christ, it was their money to begin with. We froze their assets. It was assets. their money. And, exactly. And, and, and a part of the deal was to unfreeze their assets and give them back their goddamn money. But the talking points is Obama gave Iran billions of dollars. And it's like, right. So, so you can just imagine if we fight 20 years in Afghanistan and then go, all right, Iran, a part of the deal, the nuclear deal is that you are going to fill this power vacuum that we fucked up and created. That's going to bring you back to the table. We're going to leave all three of y'all to run the region and stabilize it. Because when, when you have three different powers, it's going to be stable as shit. More than, we're, we're always going to lean to help Israel more. But just like yeah, China and true. North Korea, Israel is not going to launch off a nuke without our permission. So it's, just, it's not going to happen. So we mm -hmm. would tell Israel, yo, Iran is at the table now. Y'all need to negotiate. Don't be a little bitch. Chill the fuck out and make it work. And we're leaving. Call us if something serious is happening. We're out. Because we got to focus on Africa and stealing from other people that are being stolen from by other people. And we want our piece of the pie. That's yeah. where we're at in geopolitics right now. It won't work if it, if it comes down to talking points. It won't work. But that is the fix. The fix is let Iran run it. They're already they're already brothers yeah. in, in Islam. They're already brothers economically. They already hate the red, white, and blue. All of them. Yep. So as you're explaining this to me, all of it makes sense, 100%. But you are definitely right to say this is not going to go over well with the average American. Voter nope. Because nope. they don't want they don't want to hear anything short of america is a winner we went in there we came we saw we conquered we kicked yep. ass and now we dominate everybody that is what they want to hear yeah. and anything short of that they would just say that biden is a traitor so now <laughs> we have an administration which i have no doubt this wasn't biden's idea if it was he would have said it years ago I don't think he's he... got good, competent people around him, around him. Yeah. That, that know that they can approach him and say, I have an idea for you. Uh, I have an idea. At... Here's how we fix this. Iran. Yes. And, and instead of going, Iran, ah, he'll actually mm -hmm. sit there and go, I think that's a dumb idea. Convince me, though. Mm -hmm. I'm and then leave the conversation absolutely... going, shit, I learned something. Yes, I'm absolutely confident that he is the right person to be in this job right now mm. because of the fact that he surrounds himself with people who he's not threatened by them being smarter than him. He just surrounds himself with competent people, but he's willing to listen to what they say and really, really listen, not just say, yeah, tell me what you know, and then psh, be gone with you. He actually listens mm -hmm. and it's refreshing to at least know that he's trying I think this is interesting that it, there's a chance that this could just be DOA when it comes here to the the talking points of Americans. But well, at least he's got at least he's trying. He's stretching we, beyond the normal boundaries of a of an American president. If we don't do that, it it just is just loss of life and waste of money that yeah. continues. It it, now, it will be I, absolutely. I dare someone. I dare someone. Whichever listener, whichever whatever, hit us up on Facebook or mix our Instagram or whatever. 
Tell me a better plan than letting Iran run Afghanistan. I have never heard of this near peers thing before. I, I've never heard of near peers before, but this makes so much sense to me. It really does. Wait, have you have you been looking that up while we've been sitting here? I no, I I looked up Operation Africom. Oh, it exists, right? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> mm, tell you, this is what I do with my spare time. I don't know why. I just I go down rabbit holes of of hey. geopolitics. But yeah, near, near near peers are our problem. People who have as much mm-hmm. power or influence, whether it's economic or whatever, we're moving away from territorial and conventional warfare. It's not it's not my troops against your troops, and then we kill your troops and we take over your country. That doesn't right. benefit anyone because now because now we have to spend taxes into keeping that. What everyone's moving towards and has moved towards is soft power. Yes. How can we control your economy? And right. we are literally the last to the table. China is China has taken over the Caribbean, all of Africa, all of the ne- Near East, I guess you would call it, the Near East, mm-hmm. all of South America, and then Russia has pretty much taken over all of Europe with pipelines, the Baltic Sea, Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. And America is still fighting fucking Afghanistan in caves. Well, that's the thing. It goes back to what I said earlier that yeah. we're not fighting a, a country in this war, we're fighting an ideology. So it, it makes perfect sense to use a strategy mm. to win this that doesn't rely on a, you know, the boundaries of a- That's a, the thing, it was, it was, all, it, was, it was all political. It was all for winning elections and staying reelected. While other countries, our near peers were like, all right, I guess that's cool, but we're gonna go make a, a trillion dollars over here off lithium. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then by, by the time we get wind of that, all the lithium is already owned by China and Elon Musk. And it's like, uh, shit. Well, let me just state the obvious here. We have vast pockets of the country that don't even have internet, reliable internet. And you're confused about why we're still fighting a war like it's, you know, 1950? Right. We can't have any progress here. Other countries refuse to get into that kind of warfare because it is taxing upon them. They don't have to have the military budget that like our military budget is 753 billion. China's military budget is 280 billion and they own every port in Africa and the Near East and South America and half the Caribbean. Matter of fact, last thing I heard was China's planning to build a new Panama Canal, however many miles north of the original canal so that they don't have to deal with American tariffs and bullshit and whatever. They're just going to go do their own thing. And no all one right. can stop them. No, nobody can stop them at all. I know. This has been extremely educational for me. And I appreciate uh, all of your explanations of, of this, the near peers and AFRICOM. It's, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> You're going to be reading about AFRICOM all night now. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> you know me. I'm going to go yeah. research the hell out of this. Yeah. And I'm like, this this does not make the news anywhere. It doesn't because exist. It ask, the, ask, ask the random American about Operation Africa, and they'd be like, what? We're, we're not in Africa. No, well, we're there. We're in Africa fighting and killing people alongside Canadians. Mm. 
you know, those so sweet guys. I, from maybe up north. this is a difference. Maybe this is the difference between me and the average American. If you would would have said to me, you know, we we got this operation, I would not have replied with "We ain't there." I would have replied with "I don't know anything about that." But yeah. it, it's it's it takes a lot of hubris to be like, "No, we're not there." I I don't pretend to know half of what the military does. I mean, because I know a that lot of people some... believe what they see on TV, and if it's not on TV, then it doesn't exist. Then it doesn't exist, exactly, and that's stupid. Like, there's yeah. so much that goes on behind the scenes that we have no idea about. So, no, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and claim that we're not there. I just didn't know. That's yeah. now I'm intrigued. All right. Well, <laughs> I think we've done enough Afghanistan. Tell these people how they can get in touch with us, yes. and tell Alyssa how she needs to get in touch with us to get her hoodie. All right. Well, I can take care of that because she's mm. on Discord with me, which, by the way, we are as well. But you need to be a Patreon member to get there. We are on Twitch and YouTube. If you just go there and search Mixed Politics, you'll find us. Facebook and Instagram, Mixed.Politics. Twitter at Mixed Politics One. And you can also send us an email at MixedPoliticsPod at gmail.com. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to let Stanley talk about Patreon because he's the expert at that. All right. We've got a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mixedpolitics. There's good stuff there for you. There's good stuff there for us. Um, there's a lot of merch. There's a lot of interacting with us. There's early access to um, the podcast episodes. There's bonus footage that's as long or shorter than the episodes that air on Tuesdays. Um, there's ultimately, a Discord. There's a Discord that you can be a part of and see how we prepare for the show, etc. And ultimately, you can be a part of the show or have dinner and drinks with us and get drunk with us and talk politics and also be a part of the show. Um, there's yeah. merch. There's a lot of merch. Um, Alyssa just won one for free, but you can go get all kinds of merch at uh, patreon.com. Or if you're on our Instagram, there should be a Linktree link um that can take you to a merch page and you can get some mixed politics merch if you just want to get that there and not be a part of the patreon but yeah so we are in double digits as we said at the top of the show and we appreciate yes. those who have stuck it out uh the goal is triple digits yes that's our next so, goal 99 to bottles of beer on the wall huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> but to all of our analyst pundits and experts thank you for being here with us we really appreciate you and yeah. we say cheers see ya next week or maybe not next week is break week yeah well we're still gonna have an episode oh they'll have an episode I'm gonna be on break that's right <laughs>